Hello, everybody, and welcome to Take Two. Welcome, Grandpa Bob, who's joining us here live. Reminder that you guys can come on down if you'd like to, to participate in this. We have enough room for a few people. Uh, we've never packed out, so I don't think we're worried about that. If we get too crowded, we'll think about it then. But otherwise, I think we're good. And also remember, we are meeting live now on Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock here outside and a few seats here available inside. So we hope that you will get up and come on down. I know this Sunday was daylight savings, so that was an interesting time, losing an hour. And it was a little cold Sunday too, but um, it should be warming up and look forward to seeing you guys again here sometime soon. Well, as you can see, I've got Jordan with me again. Uh, Jordan just came straight from work from Gardena to the beautiful Upland. Beautiful Gardena to beautiful Upland. And the beautiful 605 to the 10. <laughs> Everything's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. So anyway, Jordan's going to be joining me here uh, this evening as we look back at some of the things I shared on Sunday and maybe get into them a little bit deeper. Just a quick recap. Sunday, I continued our really series on desire. This is, I believe, part four. And I'm going into why desire is such an important part of our lives and our lives as followers of Jesus. I've given some illustrations of how we tend to focus on the things that we can see, things we can say, the works, the things that we believe, our doctrine, and then our, the works would be our, our deeds and the things we do, and our words would be the doctrine and the things that we believe, and how we fail many times to get to our wants and our desires. And Jesus never failed to do that. He seems to lean into that overall. Um, so last week, I kind of elaborated a lot more on that picture and now we have the wheel of want, or whatever we'd call it. I call it the wheel of transformation. This is all part of how we become transformed. Uh, but Jordan, let me kind of throw it into your court, get some feedback from you on thoughts that you had, or maybe questions that you wanted to kind of jump into that we can dive into. Okay. <clears throat> Hello, everybody. Good evening. Uh this, I think, is an interesting concept that continues to get more interesting. Uh, I forget who I said it to on Sunday, but uh, Sam's getting pretty good at the double click where he has like this little graph and there's like, oh, let's click in on here and it like zooms out and then it like zooms out. And I was like, before this is done, like how deep are we going to be in here? Yeah. Uh, but I definitely appreciate the pictorial representation. And I think that uh, in my mind, I think... I'm not sure how, mm, this is what I was thinking when I, uh, something that's been coming up during this desire series is to me, there's this way of dealing with something that I think is kind of our easy junk food way, mm -hmm. which is the like, see a problem, try and solve it. Right. And then there's the harder, like slow cooked way where you got to like chop the food and like put it and prepare it and have it simmer and be hungry for 10 hours while the roast <laughs> beef is getting ready and stuff. But it, you end up with way more delicious yeah. uh, food. Great illustration. And it's been on my mind where some of the examples you've been giving and of the uh, kind of the underwater path it seems to me like there there has to there has to be some sort of 
I guess, eye out for enabling in in that sphere. Mm-hmm. Um, I was thinking about the, um, and I'm not here to accuse Sam of enabling. That's not what I'm trying to do. Um, <laughs> for all you people at home, uh, I was thinking about the story you told about um, Judah mm-hmm. and McDonald's. Right. And I think what you did was good, in that um, you you saw his need, you met his need, and you talked about it. Yeah. But then I started thinking about following through with that methodology in other situations. Mm -hmm. And to me, like, there becomes a very thin line between doing that and enabling sometimes. Sure. And that was kind of curious to me. Okay. No, that's a a great question. And it definitely can lean to that if if our focus is always to, you know, just uh, meet that need, whatever somebody's having, um, then it can become problematic where we are enabling. In other words, every time every time Judah cried, he got a toy, which I'm not going to tell on grandma, but sometimes that can happen, right? Every time he complained, you catered to him, would definitely be enabling. Um, this was more trying to investigate what's going on, why? Because this was out of the norm for his behavior. Okay. And so stepping into what's going on, all of a sudden you're just kind of flipping out and what's happening that's where we were leaning into it. It's funny, his sisters who were older, um, we took them to Disneyland one time and the same thing happened. We were at Disneyland, they just started wigging out and they just started complaining about everything and they hated the, and it was just like, okay, I'm ready to go home because you guys are just crazy. We got them something to eat and they were just the most perfect girls in the world. And it was really unusual that, you know, that happened. I hadn't seen it in that way, but Pressing into this situation to find out what's happening is kind of the point, right? Not just giving them what they want, but pressing in to find out what's happening so that we can deal with it. And this time, McDonald's just seemed like the easy way to deal deal with it, not just for him, but for us. And sometimes it might be different. Sometimes it might be, hey, let's go color, and Grandma's going to get the nuggets ready, you know, instead. So this isn't about just giving someone what they want, but it's about finding out why they're behaving the way they are what's behind that what's underneath that okay um listening to you now uh whatever ten thousand self-help books i've read this <laughs> there's an idea in my mind from somewhere it wasn't my idea mm-hmm. but um it seems like even if uh the person in need doesn't know how to express their need or doesn't even know what their need is mm-hmm. a need exists yeah and um then on the other side the person the listener they may not know the need and they not may not be able to figure it out and we're we're talking about trying to figure it out mm-hmm. um and i i'm thinking now that i i brought up enabling as an idea but to me enabling seems like uh appeasing where I do something that allows the person in need to be satisfied, mm-hmm. and that's it. And I'm thinking more now that, that you were explaining, uh, you were just talking right now, that uh, kind of more of this path, it's like I'm here and you're here, and maybe we're in a situation that's not compatible. We're, we're talking about different things that, we, that are, we're disagreeing on, and one of the conversation strategies that I've learned is to um, find the common ground in the disagreements. Mm-hmm. And um, like 
you're on this side of the political fence, I'm on that side of the political fence, but we're always Americans. Mm-hmm. And we can always we can we can come back to common ground and maybe uh, trying to look at situations or progress through situations. How, whatever your needs and desires are, whatever my position is, and all this kind of stuff. How can I find a way to have us progress through together? Mm-hmm. And that can look like enabling, and it can look like being like tough love or whatnot, depending on how you play it. Yeah, I, I think leaning into that further. To find out, you know, because this is all dealing also with this idea of Kairos moments, right? These Mm -hmm. moments that are opportunities, that are unique moments where there is the opportunity to learn, the opportunity to grow, change. And to dig into one of those moments, we have to be aware. And, And sometimes when I'm talking to someone who's on the other side of the spectrum than I am a, a, a political or religious, mm-hmm. whatever it is. What happens many times is the person is talking and I'm waiting to respond mm-hmm. instead of I'm listening. And what helps many times in this idea of digging is, you know, you say something and, and let me let me see if I've got what you said right. It sounds to me like you're saying that this leads to this and this leads to that. Is that an accurate assessment of what you're saying? And by engaging them in a way with my understanding you correctly, it helps them see maybe how you're reading what they're saying. Because mm-hmm. maybe they're, no, I didn't mean that at all, but that's how it came across. And so maybe then we can fine tune it, get in a little deeper and, and realize that, oh, I wasn't saying that we should give, you know, free cereal to everybody. You know, I was saying, you know, it's supposed to be a chicken and every, you know, whatever it is, you you start understanding a little bit more about it so that you can dig a little bit deeper and get to a little bit more of uh, intricate details to the situation, the topic that allows you a little bit more tangible discussion. Um, I, I think that's kind of what's happening here. I have a moment, I'm aware of something, I detect something's going on, and now I have to start being inquisitive. I start have to ask, okay, why is this happening? What's going on? What are you feeling right now? Are, are you saying this? Are you upset about this? Or are you just anxious? Because I'm getting the feeling that you're upset. Oh, no, no, I'm not upset. I'm just nervous about it. Okay, well, that's different than being upset, right? Now I'm digging a little bit deeper to find out maybe a little bit more about what's moving you in this direction. Okay. That makes sense kind of in that inquisitive and dialogue and not finding a common ground, also finding the clarity in the common ground. In other words, I want to be clear what you're saying so I don't assume this is the common ground. You know, we're all Americans. Well, what does that mean to you, right? It's like, well, what do, when I hear you say we're all Americans, it means we're all against communists, right? And that's like, oh, no, that's not what I meant, right? You know what I'm saying? It's like, let, let's clarify that topic so that we're on that subject in a clear way. Okay. I, I think I agree with that. Um... That's that's interesting that you would bring that up. I think sometimes um, in good conversation, uh, especially with confident people, uh, there can be this risk of us expl- expressing our ideas in a way that's perceived as like this is the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
oftentimes I'm trying to explain just one possibility and in my mind, like I don't have time to like go through every different possibility and I'm like, yeah, this is one of the possibilities. But then yeah. other people hear it and they're like, that's the opinion. Yeah. And uh, I just kind of wanted to bring up something in that where I think you can do digging. I think you can be honest and be interested in, in going this path and, mm -hmm. and leveling with them, uh, with, with another person. And the reason that you're digging is because something was buried on purpose. Mm -hmm. And um, that is a situation that can happen. And I, I think um, I asked you about it in a, in a uh, I think I was watching one of these and I typed in and asked you uh -huh. uh, where sometimes you try to be vulnerable with somebody or, or, or show care or grace and it doesn't work out. Mm. And that's okay. Yeah. So um, I, I really appreciate how, how you're describing this. I think I've been thinking about this wants part as underwater, mm -hmm. but you're using the word dig in a way now that's making me think is like underground. <laughs> we could say dive instead of that's dig. Fine. There we go. <laughs> uh, but uh, it's like, if, if this is me and you're trying to get to my wants, mm -hmm. even if I don't want to admit it, I'm aware of the whole thing. And mm -hmm. so when I'm talking, I have that awareness of the whole triangle. But you don't because yeah. you haven't been under the surface. Do you think you always have an awareness of that? Or do you think sometimes there are things there that you haven't maybe acknowledged, tapped into, covered up? I, I, I mean, tell me your feedback. In my experience, there's a lot of times, especially in the Christian world, we don't want to get to that point, And so we just try and bury it and pretend it's not there. And so we ignore it a lot of times because I don't want to have to deal with the messiness of those desires. I just want to believe the right things, put on the right front, and then I'm okay. But if I deal into the fact that I envy, the fact that I lost, the fact that I'm greedy or whatever it is, then I don't want to go there. I'll just, I know those are wrong, so I don't have to think, I'm not, I, those are, I'll just squash those, you know, I'll just pretend they're not there and I'll just do things that look good so that they don't show up, even though they are, you know, stewing in there. Do you think you're always aware of those things? Uh, if we're going to go that route, I, <laughs> I would say yes. Um, but, like, I would say just just default yes because you know you're burying something. So okay. you know there's something. So do you think, like, something like in counseling, when I'm talking to a counselor and they start asking me questions... And I feel like uh, something's going on inside that kind of a, a bearing. Like I, I know something's. I'm feeling this way for a reason, as opposed to it being real specific. Uh, well, I think there's like different levels, and the better the conversation, the more confusing it is. Because mm. like, if we want to have like, like simple, feel good, everybody high fives each other at the end conversations, we don't really talk about anything. But if we want to have like deep, meaningful conversations, they deal in the gray areas. They deal with things overlapping at the same time. I'm happy mm -hmm. and I'm sad. I'm mm -hmm. angry and I'm ashamed. Um, mm -hmm. And so I don't think that I can just say yes and it's like one straight answer to this. Mm -hmm. I think part of us um, uh, may not fully know exactly what's happening because sometimes something happens to us and – what we've buried is our opportunity to process something. And so we've never processed it. We've buried it, and it's never 
been allowed to go on the stove and simmer for a while. Mm-hmm. But we need to like you know dig it up and then put it on the stove and let it simmer. Uh, and then there's other times where we know exactly what it is, yeah. and we know we t- we don't talk about that. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. No, I I would agree. I'd agree that there's it shows up in different ways. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes it can just be boiling over, waiting to come out, and sometimes, like you said, you have to really kind of look for it and put it on the stove and let it simmer. Um, yeah, definitely, definitely true with that. You know, a lot of these things. I mean, it can work where you're doing this with someone or you're doing it with yourself. Mm-hmm. And I, I hope that that will be something that takes place in that way. I want people to be able to use this as a tool to dig within the things happening within them, as well as find out what's going on with someone else. You know, your spouse is really angry, really short tempered, what's going on and not just try and fix it. Right. Which is what I've done for the past, I don't know how many years you know, but start asking questions about what's going on, try and dig so that you give opportunity for them to be able to express what's happening, uh, you know, start kind of uh, having that discernment of, you know, it sounds like this is what's happening. It sounds like you're feeling uh, like you're not being valued in this, you know, circumstance or this relationship. Is that true? Right. That's kind of the bad news of this. And then you uncovering that, naming it, allows the conversation to grow from that and move forward. Um, so many conversations never get to that place, yeah. right? And so many relationships never get to that place because it's uncomfortable, it especially is. if it is about you. It looks like you're saying you're mad at me, you know, <laughs> <Is that true laughs> which that can't be right because <laughs> why would that happen? But that's kind of the dirty work that needs to take place through the heart. Like what you were saying, it's easy to live in the black and white. It's that gray that's difficult. The hard and more important conversations are difficult. But like color TV is way more interesting than black and white TV. Yeah. Um, and what you were saying, cause before this is like this, this exists in the call in quadrant. Yes. If you guys remember that, um, and how you were talking right now, I thought was really interesting where um, you're trying to, to, to dig in and try and understand another person, which may be difficult. It may be messy. They may get defensive. Like um, sometimes, and not to relate, like say people are animals, but sometimes animals that are hurt when you're trying to help them until they trust you, they will be very vicious towards you. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you have to go through that. You have to get bit a couple of times so you could help this dog or something like that. Mm-hmm. And sometimes with people... You have to get through this defense system and the the like sharks with laser beams on their heads and stuff and <laughs> do all that stuff and then then you can actually do the work. But um, I was thinking like, wow, the the idea that that if somebody defaults to wanting to fix, hmm. like I think there's there's always two triangles. There's two Doritos chips. Mm-hmm. You got the Cool Ranch and you got the <laughs> the, the, the red one. Um, where you are trying to dig in to something, but you had an you had an initial reaction to it, mm-hmm. and you can if you you if if the person won't let you dig in over there, you can always dig into why did I just want to jump and help this person? Mm-hmm. Why did I want to shun this person? Why did I want to get mad? Yeah, and um, I think that that can be more difficult because I think. Uh, number one, we have to look at ourselves and, and admit things about ourselves rather than pointing fingers, which is like way more fun. Um, mm. But it's like 
something that I've been learning a lot is like I, I always have this like gut reaction to want to help people. And I've been like taking a step back a lot in my life lately and saying like, why is that what I want to do? Like, like I'm compelled to do it. Mm-hmm. And not to say that helping people is bad, but why don't I want to listen to people? Why don't I want to understand their problem? Why do mm-hmm. I just want to like help and solve? Yeah. And that's on me. And so I thought that was interesting. Hmm. Yeah, no, that that is. I mean, that's kind of that, like you said, a default, I think, for most of us. It's like I can either turn right and just get to the fix it and then be done with it. And, and I think of situations like helping people. Okay, the homeless. You know, I see a person who's homeless. I'm going to give you some money. You got a meal. I fixed it. I can go home and everything's fine. And tomorrow he's there again. Right. Instead of, okay, let's dig in. Hey, what's your name? Hey, what are you addicted to? How long have you been on the street? you have any family? Are you a veteran? You know, you start going further in, and you might actually be able to get the person off the street, but it's going to take you a long period of time, right? Our default a, a fix or I want to fix, I think, is a good thing. But asking the question is, how do I fix this, right? How do I solve this? is an important part of that dynamic because if it just goes quickly to the right, it's usually shallow. It's mm-hmm. usually not long lasting, you know. I mean there's always instances where it can be, but the norm is that it's not it's a quick fix and it's gonna break again. Where if I actually deal with that, and that could be in relationships too, right? Oh, you know, with Judah, oh I'll just give him a toy. There he's happy, everything's fine, but He's going to be upset again and he's not dealing with this, you know, like you were talking about the enabling kind of thing. I'm just going to keep it going, keep it going, keep it going. But I fixed it right now instead of, OK, let's talk. Let's find out. Let's see what's happening. Let's do the, the hard work so that we can make an actual resolution and get to the place where we can, you know, declare something good about this. And you, you can't get to the place where you declare good news until you've adequately dealt with the bad news right and that that's kind of a real turning point here in this dynamic is i've got to face what's bad before i can bring good news into it otherwise it's again superficial yeah yeah i like that term shallow like when you're when you're talking about like wanting to do good it can be shallow where um i think the desire to do good is not a bad thing, um, but I think anything we do in the world, um, we can get better at. Mm. We learn about and we can gain skill at. And um, I would say if I if let's say I was a neutral person, and then on tomorrow when I woke up, I was like, I'm gonna be a good person. Like I just decided. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not a level ninety nine good person right now. Um, and I'm probably going to start at level one and then have to work on that level and then go to level two and then work on that level and go to level three. And I think sometimes there is, I don't know if you guys have ever played video games that have levels, but you can beat the first level of a game a thousand times and that gives you no experience to the 10th level. Hmm. Um, but it can feel good. We get so good at it. We know exactly which buttons to press and we're like, yeah, yeah, this is my favorite level, da, 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 da. But, um... I think some of the challenge in this with ourselves is every time we encounter a moment that I think we're calling a Kairos moment, like it's for everybody involved Mm -hmm. and it's a chance for us to grow as much as for them to grow as much as for us together to grow. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of the beautiful dance where 
we try to walk together. I don't say, I see you're struggling, so I'm going to help you. I'm going to like come down from the mountain of goodness to help you when I'm really playing on level one. Um, it's, I'm, I'm right here. I want to know where you are, and let's, let's walk together. Mm-hmm. which is super difficult. Um, I want to yeah. put that out there. No, but that, that's, that's so important. I mean, in, in our identification of grace and truth, grace isn't just, oh, I forgive you, right? Grace is I'm journeying with you through whatever you're going through. And so I think that's a, an important distinction that this is relational and this isn't, nothing we do is just for ourselves, really. I mean, everything we do for ourselves benefits the people in our lives and the people around us to some degree. If I deal with myself and my, say, temper, well, then I'm going to be a better dad, right? Mm -hmm. I'll I'll be a better husband. I'll be a better employee. Um, And so the improvement that happens within me affects the world around me and vice versa, right? If I can affect the world around me, it's going to benefit me in a similar way. And so seeing the connection is an important part of that and i think that is very um, christ-like you know christ is very much about the other is very much about you know the 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 sheep that's lost very much about the son who wanders the the coin that was lost i mean it's always kind of extending itself beyond itself um, and so I think that's an important part of this to realize that it is something that has a ripple to the world around us to keep it in that water dynamic. Okay. Um, I, I would appreciate a fact check here or a okay. scripture check because I might say something totally off base right now. <laughs> um, in my experience, uh, I think where I run into trouble with wanting to help people mm-hmm is um, like how it rolls out. And when, when I'm thinking about it in terms of what we're talking about right now and trying to be Christ-like, uh, I, I know we talk about like um, leaving the 99 to get the one, mm-hmm. but in terms <clears throat> of actual people, not parables of animals or things like that, mm-hmm. I can't think of a situation where Christ forces someone to get healed. Yeah. No, you're right. There's never a a forcing of that thing. You know, he asks the person, what would you like me to do for you? And he says, I want to see. He doesn't say, hey, come here. I'm going to make you see. You know, um, there is that respect of the other person's wants and desires. Yeah. I, I think that's a big part of, you know, the whole idea of freedom and free will. I think that's what Genesis is all about. That beginning in the garden is really a way of explaining, hey, this is an important part of who we are, is this freedom to make choices, good or bad. That God doesn't force you to not eat the apple or forbidden fruit. you know. And so, yeah, I, I totally agree with that, that it's not a forced situation. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because I think in our in our regular life, that I think that tension of me wanting to help someone and me in my mind thinking that I know how to help somebody, yeah. and then being like, "Nah, that's a no for me, dog." Mm-hmm. Um, 
that's really hard for us to deal with. It feels like rejection mm-hmm. or it makes us uncomfortable. And I think sometimes we end up wanting to help someone but ending up in hangout because we're trying to make ourselves feel good by not feeling rejected. So we try to force help on other people so we can feel good. Yeah, um, definitely. And even more so when you have kids. When you have kids, it's like, hey, I, I've got experience. You don't know yet. I'm going to tell you how you should do this, right? You should get this job because it's going to pay more money and it's going to provide for your family and it's going to do this, 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 and this, right? And it's so easy for parents to push that on their children. This is what you should do. This is what you should do. This, instead of asking, do you want to be, you know, a mathematical engineer, you know? And it's like, <laughs> if like, well, no, I want to be a mechanic. It's like, no, mechanics don't make as much money as these people or whatever the, the logic is. Some do. Um, but that can be something that happens a lot where we feel we know what's best. And so we try and enforce it on our children. That's one of the instances I see that happen a lot. I have people who come to me, kids who come to me and my, you know, my mom, my dad wanted this for me and that's why I'm in school studying this. Well, what would you want to do? Well, you know, I want to be a basket weaver. You know, it's like, okay, do they have a class in that? You know, but instead of hearing what the child wants, we're going to tell them what they need. And it squashes that and usually you get a rebellion afterwards. Like, I don't want to give into that, so... At least some place. Some cultures, that's really a big deal. That happens a lot. I think that's very interesting that you bring up the, the, the culture aspect because um, I think your mind is kind of like a house. And when you're born, it's like just like like wood and shingles and stuff laying on the ground. And you have to like take it and like build the house. Mm-hmm. And depending on how you build the house is what you can do with the house. If you build the house without a garage, you can't put your car in it. Build it without a kitchen, you can't cook in it. Um, and I think as we grow older, we kind of do work on our own house, but when we're really young, we have a lot of help from the people mm-hmm. around us. Yeah. And they may build stuff that we don't want or that is not useful for us later, but we have to deal with it because it's part of our house. Yeah. Um, and sometimes I think this can be very difficult to deal with. Like, I've built my house in a certain way or a certain style because I'm from Arizona. We're allowed to have basements. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've built your house in a certain way in a certain style in California because you have earthquakes. Yeah. Um, and I'm telling you all, like, the, the, the gospel of basements. Like, they're so great. Da, 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 da. Yeah. But, like, even if you don't live in California anymore, you might be adverse to it because in your mind you've been trained that those are dangerous. Mm-hmm. And that can be really difficult when I see an opportunity for growth in you but your entire mental structure and experience has like made this very diff. Even if it is the right thing, it makes it yeah. very different, difficult to accept just because of your past experience, who you are, your culture, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's so true. Just in culture, as well as in just having the influence of parents, depending on who your parents were, depending mm-hmm. on their temperament and personalities that has a huge effect on us more than we ever realize I think and those things do show up in our lives and we start to notice those things oh I'm ask, I'm acting just like you know my dad or I'm acting just like my whoever was my guardian because that's where I got the idea from that's where I saw the example from you know we'll hear Judah say something I go that's his sister 
You know, I, that's totally his sister talking right now. I can hear her in the tone and everything. And it's just like, cause he's around it. He's, it's part of him now. And, and so the same thing happens to us. And so with that, you get good things, mm-hmm. right? You, you get to learn how to, yeah, this is a good way to build a wall. And then you get bad things where, you know, you, you shouldn't use feathers for this part of the house. You know, it's just not, not structurally sound. And, and Sometimes we aren't aware of the bad things until they show up in our lives. They show up in a circumstance. They reveal themselves in a situation or relationship. And again, coming back to this kind of thing of being able to see those things is an important part of growth, right? If you're ever going to enjoy a basement, you've got to learn how to build a good one and you've got to learn your affinity against them so that you can deal with that so that you can have one and then, you know, make a game room or something. Game room. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but you'll never get there if you don't dig. Staying in the oh, basement. Yeah, wow. like that. That was nice. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's an important part of, of this because this is, remember, this is about transformation. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, we're dealing with transformation and it's so easy to... When we use, and that's why I wanted to use the word transformation instead of just discipleship, because discipleship, I guess, I think gets pigeonholed into, okay, yeah, this is your religious life, mm-hmm. where transformation is your life, and it includes the areas of faith or religion, um, but it includes more, mm-hmm. right? So transformation isn't something that just happens in your belief of God and how you go to church and those things. It should happen in your interaction with all of humanity. And that's an important part of this so that it doesn't get too narrow in how we look at it and then we lose the application for our daily lives. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's important. Like um, in my family, uh, we have this this analogy. We could say like Band-Aids or stitches. Mm-hmm. Or like is this a Band-Aid fix or is this stitches? And stitches hurt because like you're literally getting stabbed with a needle over and over. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to have somebody that knows what they're doing, do it. And it takes a long time to heal and band-aid. Anybody can just put it on there like stamps. Yeah. Um, but if you really need stitches and you put a band-aid on there, you literally can't see the problem anymore. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> it's kind of the solution, but is it really going to help you in the long term? Yeah. And it was making me think like, um, if you build your house in a way where you got like faulty pipes or something like that, and it like stains the wall because the wall is leaking like there's obviously something not good going on in this house we could paint it and so like every time the stain comes back we paint it Mm -hmm. or we could rip the wall out and fix the pipes which is awful because like (laughs) now part of your house is like demoed and it is going to cost money it could i think this is uh one of the main reasons why it's so scary to try and deal with something is because once you open that wall, that pipe may not be the only problem. Yeah. And now it's in your face, and you're like, oh, there's four pipes, and these go to separate rooms, mm-hmm. and it's thing to something with the foundation and all this stuff. Yeah. Now that I know that, I can't unknow that. Yeah. Um, but I think going through that situation, digging deeper, blowing the wall out, uh, trying to meet someone where they are is always more difficult. It's always tougher. There's always a chance that you think you're going to dig this deep, but you really need to dig this deep. And it's 
it's so like awful and, and embarrassing to like be like, oh yeah, you know, I'm gonna do this, and then you get here, and it's obvious that like you need to do more, but you've already started. You have the <laughs> shovel in your hand, and you're like, ah. yeah. but uh, yeah, no, that that's life, <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, that's definitely how things go <laughs> so many times. Um, but the alternative is it gets worse. All right. The alternative is, you know, the cut opens up. We used to say broken arm, broken bones or band-aids. So you had stitches and bands, oh. had broken bones or band-aids. <laughs> but the same thing, it's like you don't put a band-aid on a broken bone, right? It's not going to heal. And so if you do, hey, look at there. I got the band-aid on there. It's like, hey, great. Looks nice. Got a little, you know, happy face on it. But it'll get worse. And pretty soon it'll become permanently disabled if you can't deal with it. And so we don't want it to get worse. So you almost have to deal with it. And actually, the reason it is so deep is because you've not dealt with it so long. All right. If you would have dealt with that leaking pipe and seen that first stain and tore it up right away, you might have been able to fix it before it got worse. Yeah. And, you know, that's definitely true to our lives and how those things work out. Um, it, it's important now in this idea of life, right, where we're dealing with the circumstance. And I gave a couple of illustrations um, with Jesus and him getting angry because he healed on a Sabbath, which was a religious no-no, right? No, don't do that. That's our sacred day. How dare you do something good that makes us think you are more important than this important day, really, is kind of the idea there. Um, and then the temple where he's, you know, getting rid of all the money booths and changing, you know, that they use for profit. Um, in our life, dealing with these kinds of circumstances where um, we're having to lean into where we are in relationship to other people and in relationship to God, um, there has to come the place where we, again, detect, right, what's happening, discern, and the idea of discern was naming the bad news, right? Or it doesn't always have to be bad news. It could be good news if it's that kind of a moment. It's like, hey, this is what's happening. I'm really excited about this event that's happening. But the whole point is then to come to a place where we declare good news. We we don't deal with bad news by saying, okay, let's get to work and fix it. Right. Here's the bad news. All right. Now I know it's bad news. I'm, I'm going to, you know, pull up my bootstraps and I'm going to just make it better. We have to declare good news to the bad news. This is kind of gospel. This is kingdom mentality. What did you get from that? Let me throw that at you. Because um, that's something unique for me, at least in my background okay i think that's kind of kind of tricky to wrestle with where this becomes incredibly situational um Mm -hmm. so talking about it in only abstract terms i think is just more and more confusing um but the because the example that i'm thinking of is the the judah mcdonald's example Mm -hmm. and what would would that would the good news be we're going to McDonald's in that one? I think the good news would be I understand why you're so angry 
we're going to get you some food to help deal with the problem you're having. Right. So, yeah, I guess it could be going to McDonald's, but it's actually an understanding of what's happening and awareness of it and being with you through that to get to where you need to be. Okay. Because I think for me, this is a little difficult to think about because it's so close to solving the problem Hmm. because it involves solving the problem. Mm Mm-hmm. But it seems like uh, it seems like a trifold cord, um, <laughs> where the solution is one of the strings. Um, mm-hmm. Acknowledgement is another one of the strings, and then um, your the the listener's presence in journeying is the last string. Yeah, and you can't just say like, "Oh, here's one string. It's called the solution." Yeah, go forth and be yeah. Clear. No, I I think that's a good. You know, because it is still, there's still work to be done in that. In other words, yeah, we're going to get this, but we still got to go, right? Uh, The person whose arm was withered, the good news is that you don't have to wait for the Sabbath to be over to be healed. God's ready to heal you right now. Or in the temple, you know, hey, this place, it's not just for money. This place, the good news is this place is where you can come and spend encounter God, right? That That's the good news to the bad news that was happening, right? The bad news is it's the Sabbath. You can't do that on the Sabbath. God doesn't do that on the Sabbath. The good news is, yeah, God does do that on the Sabbath. You know, he's the Lord of the Sabbath. The good news is, hey, you can come into the temple and not worry if you have money or not. It, it's still a place where you can find worship and prayer. Uh, and so that's the good news, but you still have to stretch out your arm, right, to be healed. You still have to come in and pray, so the good news is declaring that God's presence is here. The availability is here. The door is open for you to get in the car so we can drive to McDonald's. Um, the good news is there's a presence of God in that situation. That's why it started in Mark. You know, this is the good news. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the gospel. Right? Repent and believe the kingdom of God's near. Right. And near doesn't mean the future. It means like you can you can reach it. It's right there. It's real close. It's it here here it is. Right. So if the kingdom of God is near, if God is near, if God is working near, how do I declare that to my circumstance? Right. In this life situation, how does it show up? You know, in a relationship, it might show up um, that okay, I'm present. I'm hearing you. We're, we're naming the you're upset because of, you know, I was uh, impatient with you and you, I hurt your feelings. Okay, I, I see that. I, I detect or discern that. And so I'm declaring to you that I'm, I'm present now to deal with that. Right? That would be kind of a situation where I'm declaring good news to this presence here, God here with the fact that I'm aware I'm going to behave the way I should behave, moving into that right direction. Okay. Okay, I have a question for you. Okay. I think uh, we make this assumption that when Jesus opens his mouth, it's good news. Um, And we're just Mm -hmm. like, whatever he says is good news. Mm -hmm. And the Pharisees, they're just not listening good. Um, (laughs) But in our lives... uh, 
I think we we can often try and speak good news. We can mm-hmm. often try to declare and discern and, and go through this 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 digging process. Um, but much like the news today, uh, information is taken differently by different people. Mm-hmm. And the uh, I, maybe it's not a question, but uh, I I I'd like your kind of thoughts on. When you say good news, is that what's actually good news? Because I feel there's a lot of cases where you speak good news objectively, but subjectively it's not to someone who's listening Mm -hmm. because of where they are, because of what their perception is, what mood they're in. And you could be telling them something good. You can be offering them healing. You don't have to be forcing them or whatever. But because of how they're looking at it or how they're hearing it, um, you're not doing this to them. Mm-hmm. Let me see if I understand what you're saying. And I think there might be a difference between the action and the actual uh, declaration that's taking place. Because okay. it, it sounds to me like you're saying, and tell me if I'm wrong, that the good news when presented to somebody might be stretch forth, say your hand and be healed. And the person is like, well, no, I'm a beggar and this is how I make my money. So if I stretch forth my hand and healed, it's not actually going to be good news to me. That'd be kind of like a picturesque of what you're thinking. I think that's, that's one of the possibilities. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yes, very valid. Mm-hmm. The one in my mind that I was focusing more on is stretch out your hand and be healed. The hand gets healed, and then the Pharisees are sitting there like, this is bad news. Okay. Um. So from another perspective. <laughs> See, to me, the idea of good news, the kingdom of God is at hand, is the good news. In other words, whether the Pharisees look at it and say, oh, that's bad news because it was done on the Sabbath, or the guy who gets his hand healed says, oh, man, this is good news. My arm's healed. The good news is that Jesus is there in that moment at work. Now, the Pharisees might still think it's bad news, right? But that is what Jesus is calling us to repent and believe. He's calling us to turn away from this thought that God is distant, he doesn't care, to the fact that he's saying God is present and at work right here, right now, in you, in your midst. And that's good news. How that shows up could be a million different things, and it could be interpreted good or bad. But the fact that it's there is the good news. So the declaration is the presence of God in that situation or the presence of good in that situation, depending on the circumstance that we're talking about. Um, The ability for uh, transformation and change, to to move from a place where this is bad to a place where this can be uh, valuable, in our lives, it still might not be easy. It still might be bad, but it's good. It's like, yeah, your arm is messed up and we need to cut it off. Well, that seems like bad news. The good news is you're going to live and it's not going to turn into gangrene for the rest of your body, right? So the bad news could also turn to good news, but there's something present there that's bringing presence. We're here. We're going to deal with this, even if it's cutting your arm off, right? 
Hopefully it's not that. Yeah, hopefully it's not that. <laughs> hopefully it's a Band-Aid, right? Um, but, <laughs> but I, I mean, that's, that's my idea of the presence in, of good news, the kingdom of God. That's the declaration that we're trying to... I think a lot of people, and I don't want to be too general, but I think a lot of people who have grown up in church have had this sense that whenever they do something bad, think something bad, feel bad, doubt, question, that that's considered just something they should shun and get rid of. And what I believe and what I believe Jesus teaches and exemplifies is that you can dig into the doubt, you can dig into the thoughts, you can dig into the behaviors, and God wants to declare good news to you there. I don't condemn you. Right, even though you've been caught in the very act of adultery, I don't condemn you. The good news is this is where we are. I accept you right here. Now let's work. Now let's do something. Um, I think that's the important thing, right? It, because now there is potential. There is hope. There is the opportunity for more to happen because you haven't shut the door on that opportunity by saying, oh, no, it's just all bad. It's all bad. Oh, I'm terrible. Oh, this shouldn't happen or they shouldn't do that. I'm not going to, whatever the dialogue you're having, there isn't the opportunity for good news to come through. That makes sense? Yeah. I think um, uh, when done in a Christ-like way, I think the, the, the whole point of the freedom is it's good news if you want it to be good news. Mm -hmm. If you want it, here, stretch your hand out. Um, if not, all right, and it, it's just news to you. Yeah. Well, and so many, I mean, I think that's so many people live in condemnation because um, it's almost easier. Yeah. It, it's easier to just feel terrible about yourself, and, and it becomes a habit, you know. I know that in, with the dog training that dogs that have you know, separation, anxiety, and other nervous disorders, because of how they're treated, it becomes normal. And it's just like the dog is always afraid. Yeah, you don't realize you've made that happen, but that's normal for the dog now, right? And to get it out of that, you have to do some work to help them see that. If you never do the work, if they never get that work taken care of, it'll never change, you know? And some people are like, yeah, it's just easier to leave the dog in the room hiding underneath the chair and just snapping at whoever walks by than actually bringing him out, dealing with it, and helping him transform. You know? And we're, we're like that many times. No, this is what I've learned. This is what I'm comfortable with. I was talking with Brian just before um, I came over here. And you know, he's got people who are just telling him, no, this is how it is. And, and everything's very black and white. This religious life is very black and white. There's this, and this is what the Bible says, and this is how you're supposed to do, and boom, that's it, and they've got everything answered, right? No questions. And he's like, I don't know about that, right? And it's like, part of me longs for that easiness, right? It's like, oh, man, that'd be so sweet. I remember when I just felt like I had all the answers, right? And then... <laughs> then I realized, you know, I don't have hardly any answers, that this world's much bigger than I can understand. Um, God is much more than I can fully comprehend. 
Um, but it was so much more comfortable to think I had it all. And so I think a lot of people live in that place where they don't want to move into this place where it actually transforms us. Yeah, I think uh, it's funny not not to make myself too high and mighty, but uh, I, I work as an engineer, and I think it's funny how I feel that at work, at any engineering job I've had, um, somebody comes to me and they're like, in technical problem, 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 and they want a solution. And an engineer's like default answer, which is never the answer somebody wants, is well, it depends, um, <laughs> because we like think about it deeply. We know like the ins and outs. I know mm-hmm. what the different departments, different stakes in the thing is. And you're you're. I see your desire. I see you want this, but that's going to make this person unhappy, and that's going to make this late, and that's going to make this happen, and this happen, and it's like. So let's sit down and have a conversation, not the like, oh, I want this done. Yeah, okay, move on. Yeah. And uh, I can I can see, like, when I say it depends, because I say it a lot, like, the the glint in the eye, it goes like, and it just changes, <laughs> like, mm, that's not what I wanted. Yeah. No, I, I find the same thing. When people come up to me and they present a problem, and I don't give a, a Bible verse answer, right? Okay, here here's what you need to know. It's like, well... I don't know. It depends. You know, it's like, <laughs> what do you mean it depends? Isn't this a yes or no thing? Well, it's again, it's deeper. People are very complex in the things that we think, the way we think and what we do that, you know, when we put out this simple kind of or simplistic, you know, outlook on things, how it's supposed to be then we expect a simplistic answer. But if it's really more intricate and complicated what's happening, then the answer is not going to be simplistic. It's going to have to take into effect all the different variances and nuances of that. Uh, just watched a show with Kareen. It's called The One. I think it's on Netflix. And it's okay. this idea of they genetically are able to find a DNA match to your perfect match, right? So it's like a dating service. And so the one is the person who you are genetically matched to in the world, right? And so they throw out this premise as if that was so simple. You know, if it it was all just DNA and then the whole show builds on that. And it's really, it's pretty good because there's a lot of, you know, what happens to the people who are in love and married and then they find out that they're matched to another one, right? Um, And so it's messy. But the idea that this premise is just thrown out there you know, this is how my mind thinks. I go, well, that premise is too simplistic. That pl- premise is just full of holes. There's so much variance to what happens. We're not just, you know, it's not just nature and nurture kind of thing. It's a complicated thing. But I think we do that in a lot of things. You know, we, we want to make it simplistic. I want the quick answer that's going to fix it for me. Um, and that's why we turn right instead of going down so many times. Yeah. That's a, I might have to watch that show. That sounds, that sounds interesting. Yeah, it was fun. I, I binged it for a while last night. Way too long. But, yeah, Kareen's the one who got me started on it, and then she fell asleep, and I was just still stuck on it <laughs> watching it. You had mentioned something Sunday. I'm trying to remember. You came up afterwards and talked about an idea of this underwater thing with the Pharisees. Do you remember mm-hmm. what, what you said? Do you want to? Okay. Um, so I was thinking, or I had this thought, and – uh, Any time I ask Sam something after service, it's half-baked because <laughs> I spent most of my attention trying to manage the cameras and the stuff. Uh, but Which we appreciate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
So I was like, I don't even know if this is like <laughs> on point with what you're talking about. But uh, so we have these like different paths. Like you're aware of something, and uh, here's the solution. Mm -hmm. Or oh, something's happening. I've detected it. Let me dig a little deeper. Let me try to understand, make a decision, talk about it, do something, and then talk about it again. Um, and I was thinking, um, if uh, and I'm defining this as like a kingdom perspective path, and this mm -hmm. is like a world perspective path. Okay. If uh, Sam is following the kingdom perspective and he's doing this, but he's acting around people that are in a world mindset or helping somebody that's in a world mindset, they may not see what's buried. And because they can't see what's buried, Sam's work down here to them is invisible. And um, in this uh, drawing, this is water, it's not dirt, but um, <laughs> to the people who see up here, uh, it may look like Sam is doing what everybody else is doing where they're just trying to give solutions, but he's trying to pretend like he's doing something else because they can't see this, but he seems like he's pretending to do something else or he's doing it in a better way. And uh, I was thinking like um, maybe that could be a reason why people were so angry at Jesus because – he was really like digging deeper or going below the surface to do all this. But since nobody could see under the surface, everybody, it looked like Jesus was pretending that he was walking on water when everybody else was like, everybody else is walking up here. And Jesus is like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this, but they can't see that. So they're like, what are you walking on water? And it, it can be when you see somebody, uh, when you cannot see someone doing this, it may seem like they're like trying to cheat and do this, like do both. And it may uh, cause some animosity or some defensiveness or, or this or that negativity in, in a relationship. Kind of seem pretentious. Like you're just okay. – you, you think you're hot stuff. You think you know more than us because you can't see what they actually are doing, the hard work. You just think they're playing it off or something like that, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think – I think there's a reality to that when we start doing some of this thing. I know that even people who think that really life happens above the water, um, and again, it's a lot of, I think, Christian uh, people live in that area okay. you know, that do that. I mean, not all, definitely, but there's a lot. At least I grew up kind of in that culture. Um, that it can be seen as, oh, yeah, you're just getting touchy-feely. You know, you're, you're, you're really not dealing with the reality of situation. Instead, you're trying to deal with it more so. Um, and that can be frowned upon because it isn't understood, because it isn't seen. Right? I, I think definitely those things can happen. Um, I think that's why Jesus said, you know, he has ears to hear. Let him hear. Right? We all have ears, but we don't all hear. You know, we don't all have eyes to see what's going on. And the whole idea of that is there's more happening than you're aware of. And so you need to be more aware of what's going on. The, the things that aren't clearly visible that you have to really put on the different glasses to see the infrared or whatever it is, the spiritual things that he's doing. And I think that's kind of a lot of what's happening under the water is that deeper work in our lives. I mean, when someone goes through trauma, right, a, a PTSD situation, um, it can't be dealt with just on, oh, here it is. Okay, this is, I'm going to fix it. Usually you have to touch, tap into the trauma 
to acknowledge it before you can get yourself out of it, right? And sometimes they even have that one uh, type of counseling where it's the rapid eye movement. Do you remember what's that called? Rim? Is that what it is? Where it's it's not sleeping. It's where they're able to detect when they're talking to you and your eye moves. That's telling you, that's telling the person who's watching you that this is doing something in your mind because you can't hide the reaction in your eyes. If it starts moving a lot, it's okay. That's something traumatic's happening in what you're talking about. Hmm. And so they're able to detect trauma by your eye movement more than actually what you say. Um, Nastagamus? I don't think that's it, Eileen. Um, I'll have to look it up. But I know that... um, one of my friends, she does that, and she did some counseling with some people I know, and that's how she did the counseling with that. Mm. And like one of the people she was talking to who had gone through a divorce and was dealing with the trauma of that, um, as she was talking to them, about, tell me about you know these things in, you know that you had in your house, and she they were telling him, telling her, oh well, I had this and I had that, and then they mentioned a cat. Oh, what was the cat's name? They said the cat's name, and then they just the reason she asked the cat, what was the cat's name? Because she saw a lot of movement in the eye. And then when she said, what's the cat's name? They just started weeping because the cat represented to them. We had a family and now that family's gone. Right. And so she got there by watching, you know, that eye movement. Um, That's interesting. Anyway. So yeah, it was, whole point <laughs> sorry for the little detour but the whole point was you can't get to there from here unless you go through here right you can't get to healing unless you go through the digging or the diving whatever we're going to call it that way the trauma is addressed acknowledged and then again we have to declare that you're not stuck here that there is presence here that can walk with you to get to the place where you can get past it. Yeah, I I think it's interesting. Like I've I've been on this uh, take two a couple of times, mm-hmm. and even though like our discussions are not like a sermon series, like it's one sermon we talk, and then some other sermons with other people, and then another one we talk. Mm-hmm. I feel like this builds directly on what we talked about last time, mm-hmm. where um, I think there's there's. A lot to be said for the collaboration effort in this. Mm. It's not only Jesus. Jesus is is doing his work and trying to heal people, but he don't heal the rich man. He doesn't heal the people from his uh, from his hometown. Mm-hmm. Doesn't heal the Pharisees, and not like he doesn't want to. In almost every time, there's some little blurb in the Bible that's like Jesus was sad. Or Jesus mm-hmm. was heartbroken that this couldn't happen. Yeah. But he's not going to chase after them and try to force them to get healed and stuff. Where um, I think often we're we're so focused on the being Christ-like and where like, we're trying to be the healers where it's just as important for the person to acknowledge and want to be healed. Yeah. Um, and to that, like, uh, I think it's it's important to... to do what you can, depending on which side you're on, to be open to the other one. But understand that sometimes it's not always how it seems. I think a lot of times um, acknowledgement can seem like condemnation. Hmm. Saying something out loud 
is not accusing somebody. Yeah. Um, it's close, but it's not. Yeah. And um, I think we can, like, cut off our, our opportunities to get healed because somebody's here. They're declaring something, but we think they're condemning. Mm-hmm. And so I chop you down before you're able to do something. Yeah. Um, and it's important to, I think. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a good point because it definitely requires involvement from everyone to be healed in these situations. Um, same thing with marriages, right? If one of the partners doesn't want it to work, guess what? Ain't going to work, gonna right? Work takes two to tango and so you won't see the results if someone doesn't want to step into it and deal with it and that's sometimes where you know the relational part of it can be frustrating uh so you're talking to someone who's homeless and you find out you know this is their story this is what's going on uh and then you ask them well do you want to get to a rehab and do you want to get to this place and they say no and so sometimes people don't change until it's too painful to stay the same Right. It's like they won't change until the pain of remaining the same exceeds the pain of the change. And so uh, a lot of times God has to wait for that in our lives, too. It's like, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm not fine. You know, and then finally, OK, let's let's do something. And unfortunately, that's, you know, most of our stories to some degree. You know, we, we're all like, oh, no, everything's good. Everything's good. OK, it's not good. I have to admit it because it finally came out. Um, and I, I think that's okay. I think that's God's patient. You know, he's always still present in those times when it does happen. Um, any more thoughts or things you had that you wanted to discuss? We're at an hour here, so. Uh, I think we're having a good conversation. I think we could just continue to discuss (laughs) things for however long, uh, we could stay awake, but, um, one thing that was coming to my mind, because we were talking about Band-Aids and Broken Bones, mm-hmm. I know my family said Band-Aids and Stitches, but I almost like yours better because <laughs> I was thinking, like, um, if you break your bone and you don't get it taken care of, it will heal bad. Mm-hmm. And if you ever want to fix it, you'll have to break it again. And there's, like, a certain window of time that you have to, like, not have to go through rebreaking. Um, and if we want to like push stuff down some, we talk about it sometimes as like things festering and getting worse, um, with the, the leaky pipe example, like maybe because you just painted over the wall instead of dealing with the pipe. Now that we break the drywall down, there's black mold there. Um, and that wouldn't have been there. Uh, and we can often compound our problems. I think almost everything in this world comes with interest, Mm -hmm. our debt and our investments, Mm -hmm. And um, if you're holding on to something that's negative, most likely it's growing. Uh, mm-hmm. And like you were saying, we say, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, until we can't deal with it. That only happens when the thing is growing or we're shrinking, mm-hmm. which is effectively kind of the same thing to me. Mm-hmm. So um, hopefully um, we don't all have to get our bones rebroken. Yeah. But uh, – if that's what it comes to, then I hope you guys get your cast eventually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's better to get it fixed right than to have to refix it right, definitely. Um, and, and it is the hard work. I, I think, again, I hope that this is a tool that people can use in their life so that when they're experiencing something, they really explore it. 
-hmm. or when they encounter someone who's going through something and it's one of those moments that you see again as kind of kairos um, like okay there's opportunity something's happening there they're crying they're hurting they're uh, angry um, don't just try and fix it find out what's going on and explore yeah you might not be able to fix it at all and it might this could be weeks maybe years yeah exactly <laughs> I wanted to give people some hope, but yeah, <laughs> it definitely could be, you know, it, it was, it's definitely one of those things where you just can't, okay, there, it's done, All right? Hey, let's have, I mean, I remember, you know, we always heard the scripture, don't let the sun go down on your wrath, right? And so if you're having an argument with your wife or your husband, don't go to sleep angry. You have to settle it. And some mornings I'd have to get up before in the morning and it's like one o'clock. It's like, you know what? I don't care. We got to settle this later. You know, this is the same being settled right now and I need to sleep. So um, sometimes it doesn't get fixed in one night. And sometimes that's the easy way. Oh, yeah, we, we said our things. Yeah, you can talk. You can pray. Great. But it's still not settled. You know, that might take some weeks. It might take years uh, to get to the actual healing. But hopefully we at least start moving in that direction. Yeah. And. Not to be too much of a spoil sport. I know Sam's really trying to be positive right now. <laughs> but uh, you are not always the fixer. Like, sometimes mm -hmm. you're the plumber and they need an electrician. Mm -hmm. And even if you're the electrician and they need an electrician, sometimes they're just like, nope. Yeah. No, we got candles. We're good. Yeah. No, it's true. And, and that is a frustrating thing, trying to fix something that someone doesn't want to fix. Yeah. You can't do it. You just can't do it. Jesus didn't do it makes you think you're going to do it, right? So that can't happen. You know, I mean, the good news, I, I, I kind of ended with a story about the dad or the man who was, became a father who mm -hmm. then became a dad, and he knew he was a father when his daughter let him have it and said, you've been absent my whole life. You've ruined my life. I don't know what a family is. I don't know what love is. I don't feel wanted all because of you. And to him, that was the moment when he realized she wasn't afraid to say what was in her mind because she knew I wouldn't leave. All right. So sometimes we got to get to that place where, man, it, it, what she's saying really hurts because it's true, but it's actually the turning point. All right. And not to be afraid to go there. And so don't be afraid. Sometimes that's where we got to go. But Jordan, thank you again for your, your insight. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Gil, Eileen, whoever else is on there who watched or will watch. Thank you. Um, again, we'll be here Sunday at 10, and we're here Wednesdays at 7. You guys are welcome to come and join us. We look forward to input. I know I didn't ask any questions, but thanks, Eileen. Thanks, Gil. Take care, you guys. Be safe. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.